2: Will still be relevant in February. Hope so. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast presented by the United States Marine Corps. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Oh,
3: you know, what what is more 2020 than you know having our holiday spectacular? Dan, you did a great job putting that together. We thank all our, our great guests. We have all these like kind of lovely parting shots and what the mean, the the whole year has meant to us.
2: And then like 12 hours later, here we are taping another show, you know? Right. That's I thought you were going to speak of the numerous technical difficulties we'd had the sound on the beginning of oh, that show, no. which also is another very 2020 <laughs> moment. Um So th- apologies to the listeners for that. That was actually and before you start adding Ricky and shredding her on the subreddit, that was not on her either, issues with Colleen's mic. That's just, you know, listen, it's pandemic life. Sometimes things don't go the way we want on the technical side of things. That's life. Yep. Yeah, and I,
1: I would say, you know, when, if we want to look at, at the whole process, we can lower the cost of these podcasts
3: mm. to the subscribers if they have <laughs> um, technical complaints. <laughs> wow, really coming out swinging
2: now. And if I we really... really... No- if I've learned really from
3: our government to just like, if things go wrong, pretend it never happened. I just don't even mention
2: it. That That's another that. method that works. <laughs> and if it does come down to wh- where we need to offer someone up as the sacrificial lamb, why not make it Nabil, our fill-in producer uh, today? <laughs> Erica, we have a little uh, head start on the holidays. So Nabil filling in. Uh, so if you have any... Any issues about the production quality, not just of today's show, which he's directly involved with, but any issues in the past, just head on over to Nabil Corner, wherever that yeah. might be. Yep. All right.
3: Or, or check out his, you know, I think he does some other podcasts. It's like it's about college football. It's but it's only around draft time with some some uh, stickies, Mister Sticky or something like mm, that. I don't even know a lower that. level operation for sure. I'm, I'm not sure when
2: it airs. Welcome to the big leagues, Nabil. All right. Ho, ho, ho. Yes. Merry Christmas. It's week 16. And uh, we're going to go through every game in our preview episode. Bit of a weird week. We have uh, a Christmas night game. We have three Saturday games in addition to Sunday night football and Monday night football. And then the rest of the league is also playing. There are no more bye weeks. There's no more traditional Thursday night football. Uh, We are Reaching the home stretch of the regular season. And despite there being 32 teams, divide 32 by two, because that's how many teams play in the game, that gives you 16 games.
1: So just zero muscle memory. I feel like that you've done that problem <clears throat> four to 500 times.
2: Did I get it right? I think I nailed it. 16 games, but only three matchups this week uh, between teams that both have. Winning records, Colts at Steelers, Rams at Seahawks, Titans at Packers. All those games are very important to the playoff picture. And speaking of playoff picture, you have an Eagles Cowboys showdown of two nine lost teams <laughs> that has big ramifications in the NFC East, despite it being only week 16. Yes, 2020 is weird. Let's get into it. And um, we're going to do it draft style uh, once we get rolling today. But we'll start, let's spin through all those a uh, specialty game Saturday, Christmas. Uh Let's start with Christmas. How about that? Christmas night. I don't know where the players come down on this. I imagine they're not thrilled about playing on Christmas night, but it's also a big spotlight game. So I think there's that too. The Vikings travel to the Superdome to face the New Orleans Saints. And the Vikings essentially kicked away any chance of going to the playoffs with a loss last week. So, um, the schedule gods did not get a favor done for them by the vikings who really this could have been a very interesting game on both sides uh if the vikings would have won but still you know what it's football you get something to watch with the uh on christmas night and the saints need a win and drew Brees needs to play better uh mark
1: yeah he does you know it's it's um i, I don't put too much on him looking a little rusty uh, especially early on in that in, in his return last week um I think I think we'll get a little bit better version of, of Breeze. It feels like you can't get Drew Breeze and Michael Thomas on the same field um, this season, and, and we just really haven't seen. The, that, that tr- the, also, you throw in Alvin Kamara. The three of them together, um, which is what you'd expect all year, has just not happened. I I would look at this game and say that um, my one concern a little bit, and I think the Saints match up really well against um, the Vikings and they can run the ball. I mean, Minnesota was just, I thought, waxed by Chicago's Ground game, which is a very unusual thing for the Bears to pull off, but the Bears' offensive line played well, and if the Niners can control Minnesota's front the same way, um, this should just be a blip in the radar. The Saints can't slip up here. They, they, if anything, like I just keep peering ahead to this January game where New Orleans is going to have to go on the road to probably Green Bay or some hideous climate and that feels like the end of the road um to hmm. me even is that cliche I don't know if that it just seems that that happens to the Saints over and over that if you put them in um ugly weather you know bye-bye potentially
2: the point is I feel like it's a little cliche in the sense that everyone just says oh Drew Brees can't throw anymore so put him in the cold weather and it's over but there's more to this Saints team than that right Greg I mean there's a great great defense here and a special running back in Alvin Kamara and maybe Michael Thomas is back. We don't need to get too far into the future here. But um, the, I think writing off the Saints team just because they're not in the Superdome, I think that's premature as well.
3: Well, and this matchup is a great counterpoint to the Dome only is going to do so much. I mean, we talk revenge games every week. This is a real revenge game. The Vikings have ruined the best era of success, Uh in Sean Payton's run in New Orleans in terms of a four straight years. You know, they ended it twice uh, in these playoffs. And so this is a real revenge game. And uh, I think it's huge to get Drew Brees looking good before the playoffs. I thought, he, you know, he played his best in that Chiefs game at the end. Maybe that was a sign that he's getting some rust off. Maybe it's a sign that you're not going to go too far with... Um, what's What's my man? Little... Little Humphrey. <laughs> I
2: mean, you, you, Jordan. Got, little, little Jordan. Little Jordan.
3: Hard, I mean, we got Little Jordan Humphrey. We got Tommy Lee Lewis, the beer man, who's been an, on and off the Saints roster, was off it for a while and was the practice squad. This is who he's throwing to right now when Traquan Smith got hurt and Michael Thomas is on the IR. It's like you got jo, Juwan uh, Johnson. I'm like, yeah, these are practice squad guys getting called up and are his targets and he's struggling. So I just I find that they're end of this breeze era, probably because I've, you know, I've been tracking it very closely, really fascinating. There's, there's really not been much like it. I don't think in the last 20 years where we kind of know he's done after this year. They've had this incredible run, not just for 15 years, but the last four years that they haven't capitalized. And you could see Sean Payton sort of defending their record earlier this week, getting a little touchy, being like, well, it's not like we have only been one and done. That's not true. And yeah, okay, you want a couple close games against bad teams in the playoffs, but it would be a total disappointment if this team doesn't do some damage. And I still think they can. And I think they match up well against the Vikings. I agree with you. I would lock this up if it had uh, made it in our uh, desert, uh, past the desert test, but it's just on that border. So uh, so I can't do it. Uh, the Minnesota offensive line is collapsing right now. They're kind of terrible in the trenches on both sides of the ball, and that's where the Saints are really good. So I do think it's one game where the Saints, like big guys up front, uh, just take over.
1: And one little note, I mean, Justin Jefferson, who has been – phenomenal all year, is 132 yards away from breaking the Randy Moss uh, rookie receiving record for that team. And I think it's interesting that last week, I mean, a, a little narrative he had to, Justin Jefferson had to squash, um, was that he was caught audibly um, basically telling Kirk Cousins <laughs> was awesome. to wake up in the end zone after he totally
3: missed him on a throw. He uh, F-bombed him, like, just, throw, throw right. me the ball. Well, Cousins right. wouldn't let go. I don't want to... I don't want to get too sidetracked. I'm sorry, but I do want to mention a quote Cousins had after the game. I'm sorry, Mark. Um, Where he said he was thinking about all the team's missed opportunities throughout the game while he was backtracking during his fourth and one play. That, to me, is Kirk Cousins in a nutshell. He was like, as I was running back and back and the play was getting more and more hopeless, I was thinking of all our missed opportunities. That's not who you want as your quarterback.
2: Let's move on. All right, Uh, so we have the Vikings done. The Saints looking for positioning. Now let's move to the Saturday uh, game, Tampa Bay at Detroit. And, you know, make sense of the Bucks. somebody, because I struggle with it. You watched that game last week and they were a complete mess in the first half down 17, nothing can't do anything right on either side of the ball. And then they just, you know, turn it on in the second half and go off uh, in that win, and now they get a Detroit team that's facing all sorts of issues. COVID nineteen rears its ugly head again, this time hitting Detroit on its coaching staff with a lot of close contact designations uh, that put a lot of things up in the air uh, for the Lions in Week sixteen. Greg, what what a um,
3: what a COVID game this would be Saturday morning. On NFL Network and like their interim coach isn't there and half their coaching staff. They just fired their special teams coordinator, which was a fun little storyline because he went rogue and called a fake punt that (laughs) Bevel didn't know about. Like that would have been a huge story
2: in week four. But now it's like, who cares about this Lions team? Um, You know, all the players, (laughs) he apparently is well liked by the guys that work in that special teams unit. But like you could go on Twitter and defend that guy. But you, you got to get the guy out of the building if he's the special teams coach, deciding to call <laughs> fake punts and like, like, what are you doing, man? Like, you can't do that. And I love the report out there. I think it was the Detroit News that. This was a pattern of behavior. What's the guy's name, by the way? I, I guess we should name him. There's a pattern of behavior uh, of glory boy behavior by the special teams coach who who like to bring attention to himself, which is just a lovely little uh, subplot around that organization, a special teams coach that wants the spotlight on him.
3: And Bra- Braden Combs, maybe they should make him the uh, the coach for this week, hire him back. Um, and so I'm not worried. You know, I'm, I'm with you. The Bucks are confounding. We've talked about that. But this is a Lions defense that not only is terrible, but is incredibly injured, too. Um, so that's a, you would you would assume they could put up like 40 on him. I just you know, the
1: everyone clung to the Bucks defense as this sort of consistent element. And the one thing is they have been torched through the air. Um, 456 against the Chiefs, 376 against the Rams, 332 against the Falcons. So you know you They've can declined. do damage against them. It's mm-hmm. been a problem, and and you know I, I, this game is is just a, a, a speed bump probably for them. But uh, you know Detroit did some damage last week, uh, I thought as well. So I, I would just I, I don't know. To me, to me Tampa, I'm with you, Dan. That it's like the offense seems to play um, about 30 out of 60 minutes, and um, it's it's week 16, and we're still saying that. So maybe that's just baked into who they are. Um, but that that's concerning to me when you're going to roll into January against teams that are playing four quarters on offense, not two.
2: They have the highest ceiling and lowest floor, I think, of any playoff team. I could see them playing the NFC title game. Uh, I could absolutely see them losing 27 to six in the first mm. round of the playoffs. Like they, They're all over the place.
3: Here's the thing though, I and we should get into some of these playoff projections, If the Bucks win out, they're going to get that five seed, which means they get to play the NFC East champion, which is a nice spot, which I could totally see them losing. and, and, And things change because seeds change, you know, depending on lowest seed advancing. But if like seeds held, then they would be at like the one seed. Which you know probably right. is going to be the packer. I don't know. That's a that's a that would you be know, a, a fun like, matchup. Which is another reason why these Saints, by the way, just quickly should really be trying to win these games and get the two seed to stay home longer and to possibly set up a much easier first round match for them than than they would if they you fall to the 3 seed then you get the NFC West loser which is the Rams or the uh Seahawks and that's much tougher.
2: Yeah, the 2 seed still very important. You yep. yeah, you get the home game and then if somehow the 1 seed gets knocked off, the, the NFC title games in your building if you win one I actually I would game. suggest the
1: Saints don't try to win these games. Go completely countercultural <laughs> and kind of mail these in and see what happens.
2: <laughs> All right. I like that. Um. All right, let's see. Buccaneers clinch playoff berth with win in week 16 at Lions, would also clinch playoff berth with Bears loss at Jaguars in week 16. All right, let's move on. San Francisco at Arizona, the, the middle Saturday game. The 49ers just got waxed by the Cowboys. Uh, they are going in the wrong direction. Uh, another losing season for Kyle Shanahan. And they now get a Cardinals team, uh, Mark, that has seemed to got gotten its mojo back these last couple of weeks. Um, Kyler Murray played excellent football in Week 15, and this sets up well for them to get a much-needed win as they make their playoff push.
1: Yeah, they've got to watch out for the mistakes. They they caught fire um, last week for sure, late in the game. But they also had you know four fumbles in that game and an interception. Um, Deandre Hopkins, uh, lost the ball at Philly's nine yard line on the opening drive. It's just these little things about the Cardinals, especially on offense that, um, I struggle to believe in them as like a deep journey into January, but I think their defense and we've talked about Hassan Redick, like they've had guys stepping up week after week on that defense and you're facing a Niners team that what, what is, what is a Niners week at this season? Unless you're finding out that Raheem Mostert is back on the injury list, um, Mullins needs Tommy John surgery, potentially. Uh, they are just Whoa. absolutely uh, hammered on the injury front. And I think it's fascinating. And I don't, he's, you know, I don't, we probably won't see him or anything, but Josh Rosen was um, signed to the Niners <laughs> off the Bucks practice squad in this game. Cardinals game. I kind of would think that if you want to do anything super spicy... You know throw him in there.
2: That's where Josh <laughs> Rosen is at. Three yep. years after going number 10 overall, he's getting signed off practice squads for Plucked injury decimated squad, also yeah. Rams in week 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's been
3: on that Bucks practice squad all year. And I think another team, not sure if it was the Jags or who it was, uh, tried to sign him early and he wanted to stay because he thought the opportunity was better long term. He just stayed on the Bucs, but he might say, uh. Hey, um, entering the mix with Kyle Shanahan going into next season. That's a nice place to be, too. C.J. Beathard is starting this game at quarterback. Uh, There's no Devo Samuel, as you mentioned. And I'm with you, Dan. I'm impressed um, by the cards the last two weeks on both sides. Yeah, they had the turnovers, but they had better rhythm, like a nice mid-range game. Like, we saw the passing. We saw... Um, some consistent chunks They they got to win though. If they don't win out, the bears have the tie break over them and the bears are only one back. The bears have the Jags this week. It's pretty tricky. It's I, it feels like it's a two team race, but the bears have that tie break over the Cardinals. So if they slip up either this week or next week against the Rams, which is a much I mean, tougher game. Think uh, of, uh, well, know, the bears the have bears. Jacksonville. So
2: yeah, think about, think about what we've watched this season. Think about what makes more sense. For January football is it the Arizona Cardinals, the upstart team with Kyler Murray uh, and DeAndre Hopkins, or is it the Chicago Bears? And it's probably against the Saints. Bears
3: Saints is a terrible uh, playoff game, I think. But it just doesn't make sense. Kyler Murray versus Saints. That's a perfect wild card game.
2: It's almost like there's there's a domino yet to fall to make sure this falls the way it should be. Maybe at the big chlorine tank on Sunday for instance, maybe Hmm. that gets taken care of. We, we don't know. Tommy John surgery uh, named after the former uh, baseball pitcher, Uh, that is like an 18-month recovery timetable in baseball. I don't know what it is for a a quarterback in the NFL, but that's a terrible setback for Nick Mullins if that is what ends up being the diagnosis. That's a tough situation. And um, looking at the desert, I see this is a game that is lockable, so I will lock up the Cardinals, who looked really good the last two weeks, and the the 49ers uh, look like they are ready to call it a season. So I lock up the cards. Final Saturday game, Miami, Miami at Las Vegas. Another game. This is now the second um, spotlight game in week 16. That could have been a lot of fun if just teams took care of business. If the Raiders, when they have first and goal from the four yard line last Thursday night, punch that in, they are in Live and well in the playoff race in the AFC. And then there's this huge matchup with the Dolphins. But as it turns out, the Raiders are now all but dead. Uh And now the Miami Dolphins, Greg, have a chance to fortify their playoff position against the team that's going in the wrong direction.
3: Yeah, it's still just as big for Miami because no one's losing in the AFC. You're going to have to get to 11 to, to make it. And so it's it's a. It's a thin line here for Miami, which is like how they play every week is a, a thin margin for error. like whether it's some weird special teams play or they like take advantage of the opposing defense. And you could see that this week, like having a flaw in their run defense or there's just like a blown coverage they take advantage of or, you know, it's some sort of crazy, crazy long play that doesn't seem repeatable. Th- they'll do it like that's who this team is. It do- It is repeatable. Because they do it each and every week, and that's why I'm locking up the old Dolphins on the road on Saturday night. Let's lock it. I like it. I like it.
1: Well, I'm very annoyed because um, as I texted Nabil before the show, I am also locking up the Dolphins. Uh-uh. So that keeps La- Last us- time
2: we did this, we both lost. Oh, this is huge. <laughs> well- this is huge. The Dolphins unite in a big spot on Saturday night. Uh, Mark one game behind Greg, so that that will stay the same. But I could potentially pick up a game on both of you boys heading you into Week 17. The Raiders with Marcus Mariota—is it Mariota most likely starting here? Is that what we're hearing?
3: I, I think it's probably more likely Carr. On you know we're taping this early on Wednesday. On Tuesday they split work. So if Carr is already splitting, it's weird to split work, but if Carr is taking practice steps, maybe they're trying to pull the okey-doke. That's very possible that they're faking us out. Uh, we've seen that lately, uh, but it right. sounds like Carr's got a
2: chance. I mean, even if Carr does start, we don't have no reason to suspect he can finish that game because that did not. he could barely walk uh, when he uh, yanked his groin on Thursday. So there is a, a decent chance. It would be, I would say, for a Raiders season that has gone to hell again for the second time, in a row, the, seeing the way Mariota played last Thursday, I'd like to see more of him if we're going to have to watch the Raiders in primetime. Um, so I'd rather see Marcus Mariota at this point, but you know, Gruden might have other ideas. I would argue,
1: I could argue the same thing. I think that he gave that offense um, an element that Carr didn't have. So if you get an, if you get like a 60% mobility reduced version of Carr, I, that doesn't interest me a whole lot. Um, I just think that one of the other stories here is this Raiders defense has completely fallen apart, and they can say, "Yeah, they 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 focused on you know finally stopping the run against the Chargers after allowing you know 400 yards on the ground over the previous two weeks." Why did Why did Los Angeles throw, run the ball at all in that game? Every time they went to the skies, they torched uh, Las Vegas so thoroughly that. I just think that I, I, which team is more disciplined, which team mm-hmm. uh, is coached well in all three phases, and which team looks like a complete car wreck? I I feel confident that Miami car wreck. will take care of business
2: here. Nicely done. Um, you know, in the defense, we give Kyle Shanahan a pass every year, it seems, over the injury issues the 49ers have. The Raiders were missing four guys on their starting defense.
1: Well, they have the been Chargers, for weeks, so. and I
3: get that. But that, that
1: they weren't a great
3: defense even before that. But the, they they're weren't. probably going to be back. I, you know, I have some hesitation here because of the way the Dolphins play. It'll probably be close in the fourth quarter, and there there is some positive news for the Raiders. They're getting back probably this week: Henry Ruggs, Jalen Rashard, Cleveland Farrell, Damon Arnett and Jonathan Abram.
2: I mean that's a lot of that's a lot of players well, I like that where were this missing in the lock angle. But uh, the Raiders yep. uh, the Raiders are cooked. They'll they'll find a way to lose. If they found a way to lose that game last Thursday uh, what makes you think Miami a well-coached team that's gotten the game, gotten it done week after week is going to? Well, now I'm now I'm there. starting
1: to get a bit nervous about this, but um, for now I'm
3: going to hang with. <laughs> well, this. switch off of it. I, I don't like you being on the same uh, pick. Anyways, it gets
2: boring. Well, you're uh, on my pick. You're on yeah, my pick. exactly. You know, there's no. You guys work it out. Okay. Right. All right, let's move to the uh, Sunday and Monday primetime games. All right, now now we're talking. Now we're talking some football. Tennessee Titans at Green Bay Packers. Uh, I don't know. I was going to say Al, Chris, and Michelle, but Al Michaels, unfortunately, came down with the Rona, and uh, that means Mike Tirico has been getting a lot of minutes uh, lately. Uh, this is a great game. This is a tremendous game. The Tennessee Titans, and I said it on last Sunday's podcast, I'll say it again, Ryan Tannehill what he's brought to that organization, it's unbelievable. They, I looked it up because I, I knew it wasn't a lot, but I did look it up just to check. And the Miami Dolphins sent Tannehill to the Titans. Uh, it was Tannehill and a sixth-round pick, and the Titans sent back a fourth-round pick and a seventh-round pick. That, that kind of tells you where Tannehill was at that point in his career. And now you look where he is now. He's going to end up this season with close to 40 total touchdowns. And everyone looks at Derrick Henry, and rightfully so, because he's a stud. And he might hit 2,000 yards this year. He's having a Hall of Fame-type run these last three years. But it's amazing what Tannehill has brought to that offense. And now he's up against uh, Greg Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, who continue to win. They look like they're going to be the number one seed in the NFC. But the last two weeks, at least, uh, it hasn't exactly been a, a dominating uh Uh, a team. This feels like it's going to be a good game.
3: Yeah. And if they don't win this game, you know, they're going to have to play week 17 to try to get that one seed. I'm, I'm excited. And it does make you think about the relationship between Henry and Tannehill. You mentioned the, the rushing yards that Henry had, I, I read this week in the 26 games without Tannehill before he arrived. Is fifteen hundred yards less than what he's got with Tannehill in mm. in the games? So he, he has thirty two hundred yards in twenty six games with Tannehill and like seventeen otherwise. So it's it's a symbiotic relationship. He was disappointed Tannehill not to make the Pro Bowl. I was disappointed for him. Uh, this is one of those years there won't be alternates. Remember Andy Dalton would make it every year as like the seventh.
2: The <laughs> he's AFC like an des- eleven time Pro right. Bowler. Andy the AFC
3: Dalton. deserved four because everyone who was pissed. Tannehill didn't make it. And then I looked and it's like, okay, do you take Josh Allen, Mahomes or Watson out? You could take Watson out if you wanted. Uh, He certainly has had a better season, I think than Kyler Murray, but that's an, it's an NFC, AFC thing, or even Russell Wilson. That's how good, uh Tannehill's been in the rushing game you know rushing matchup in this one is awesome I love that they've been using Aaron Jones as a real primary back they didn't do it all year until the last two games he's been splitting work I think they saved him up for December and now he's getting you know 75 80 percent of the snaps and that makes them a lot better
1: well and also I mean you look at the Titans I, I think more than any other team when they are on and we've talked about like the high floor of their offense they have you know, broken people by halftime. So I think this game is fascinating because I don't entirely trust either defense. Um, Wouldn't it be amazing if Tennessee could do something to affect or make the Packers uneasy? I I just don't trust that to happen. Aaron Rodgers sacked five times last week. That's not been the case with that offense. Um, Carolina made him real uncomfortable early, you know, later on in the game. And I I don't know if Tennessee can do that. Uh, But the Tennessee Titans, when they've been good, to your point, Dan, they've been balanced. It's not just Derrick Henry. Like they've a couple of these games when they've been up 35, whatever at halftime, it's been a split between their air yards and their ground yards. So if they can achieve that, this will be the game of the week. Um I never trust game of the weeks though. Something always goes wrong. So um I will wait and see.
2: I mean, if you are somebody that loves points, this this is pointing toward should a be. shootout. This should be two teams that are going up and down the field. I have no doubts Tennessee is gonna move the ball against Mike Pettin's defense I just I think they'll be able to run it and I think they'll be able to throw it and, and score uh you know three or four touchdowns at the very least and then it just becomes a issue um can the Packers keep up Well they have Aaron Rodgers but you know I watched the game last week that the Packers played when they went totally dry in the second half it did give me some. Uh, pause. Like, could that happen in a big spot in the season, or am, or am mm. I just being a little? Uh, have I become spoiled by uh, Aaron Rodgers' success this year? And he sh- he deserves a benefit of the doubt that that's not going to happen in a game like this, a big spotlight game with big ramifications for both teams. Big big MVP, I think, game uh, two for Rodgers.
3: If he had two straight, I mean, I'm sure he'll do well. I guess it's a, it's how how well, but he needs to light up the Titans. Uh, I think. On national, you know, these games shouldn't matter more, but they they just do. And in the Packers, it it should matter more for them. They it's not their fault, the schedule they've played, but they they someone pointed out they have as many wins uh, this season over winning teams as the Jets do. Right. Which was the lowest the lowest the lowest strength of schedule in the league, you know, by a decent amount, the second lowest strength of victory, which is just like the quality of the teams you beat um in the league so yeah it's a a big test it's a big test for them. the titans it feels like are in big games every other week they've won plenty they've lost plenty but it feels like they've played everyone especially in the afc doesn't that point to perception though because there's certain teams because you know if they don't if they don't
1: have a win a signature win over um a you know a huge operation the browns you're talking about well, no, but this is every year. It's not just Cleveland. I think Cleveland beat Tennessee, and it hushed some of that. But it's like, you've done nothing. You have to keep doing things to prove yourself. Um, the Packers, you're right. Like, up until a couple of weeks, you look at who they've beaten. It's not their fault they've beaten a bunch of cupcakes. I mean, this would be a prove-it game for me. Um, but I believe in them much more than they did last year. I still think you're going to get a lot of shots of Mike Pettin on the sideline with a mask on
2: going crazy. <laughs> I think uh, I think the Titans win. How about that? I, I say Titans 38 34 what do you guys got I took the Packers
3: um, but I tried to do what I call on uh, NFL Game Day View which by the way you know we have we have a Christmas show check it out after the Christmas game this year after the post game If we're t- if we're going to be taping on Christmas morning uh, then I at least I'm going to promote <laughs> Gray's it here hand. so so people can <laughs> Why is uh, hand so I don't know right now? Uh, so people can watch So you're it. saying
2: Game Day View is yeah. on immediately following well, they have Miami, the post-game Vegas? show.
3: They have the post-game show.
2: Um,
3: or Minnesota-New imme- Orleans. But then immediately following that. And in that game, I'll do what I call a thread-the-needle game, which is I'm picking the Packers to win. It's a very small um, line in the old desert, but I even then I'm picking the Titans to somehow thread that needle. You know what I'm saying?
2: What is huh. the desert saying? I think if you can say three, it on that show, you can say I think say it's here. three
3: and a half. I think it's three and a half.
1: I think that it's interesting that you've got – Mike Vrabel's former offensive coordinator, who knows the Titans well. He's the boy with the beard. He's now, to me, more of a man (laughs) than a boy. And I think that um, this game will be very close. I'm going to go Titans too, though. I think Titans 33,
3: Packers 30. I did take the Packers, yeah.
2: Where where are we with the Titans right now? They're tied atop the AFC South with the Colts. Uh, How does the division shake out there? Greg, give me your tabulation.
3: They... They are going to be, they could clinch it if they win and the Colts lose. They have the tie break the Titans do uh, over the Colts. Uh, it's probably gonna no matter what,
2: to, no matter yeah. what, if they finish with the same record, it's the Titans that win the division.
3: Yeah, that's right. So right. they, but if, you know, if the Colts win this week, the Colts would, uh, and the Titans lose, the Colts would take control of the division. And I tried to come up with these scenarios, Dan, actually it was really related to the Jets that the Colts, um would would be resting their starters against the Jaguars in week 17 and actually there basically is no scenario for that. The Colts are going to very likely have to play to get into the playoffs next week just to make sure. So that's yeah. bad news for the Jets. I mean, I Tennessee clinches clinch
1: a playoff berth with
3: a win. Right. The, yeah, the the Titans can clinch loss a, or a, a playoff loss. berth with a win, but uh not the probably not the division this week.
2: We are we are not looking past this week. Okay, Greg, in okay. Uh, in the tank. Watch. We are looking squarely at the big chlorine tank in Jacksonville in the showdown between the Jaguars and uh, Bears. All right, there we go. Finally, Monday Night Football, the final primetime game before we get into our draft. Uh, I mean, it looked good on paper back in uh, August, but uh, not so hot now. The Buffalo Bills, who have already clinched the AFC East, and Really, you know, they stand very little chance of catching the Chiefs for the number one seed, but still win football games. That's good. They go to New England now to face the Patriots, who, of course, were eliminated uh, last week in the loss um, to the Dolphins. Uh, what are you looking for in this one, Mark?
1: Well, so Stephon Gilmore is out of the picture for New England and a Patriots defense that was, you know, lashed by the Rams. Um thoroughly beaten by Miami, I think this defense is, is broken. So if you're Buffalo, um, you're the team right now that people are trying to project. Who is it that can challenge the Chiefs? Who could give them a test? Um, I have no problem saying that it's Buffalo in my world unless you got like a supercharged version of the Titans. Um, and you've got Stefan Diggs playing at ultra-high levels. Josh Allen is playing out of his mind. Um, they're clicking. They're playing their best football on both sides of the ball right now. And I don't see why you don't go in and, um, you know, there was, I thought it was emotional when they came off the plane last week, Buffalo, and this is like cold weather cities do this like thousands of fans showed up at the airport because this matters what the bills did winning this division. um, This isn't a team that's going to let down this week. I think an exclamation point of whipping new England would be psychologically valuable to Buffalo. Why not go do it um, and do it with authority?
3: Right. Think of how much has changed since the Bills escaped over the Patriots in week eight. It's kind of at a part in the season we forget about that the Bills' offense struggled for about a five or six week stretch. Bill Belichick has had Josh Allen's number. I would say that continued this year, considering the relative seasons these two teams have. Um, That was a game where I remember thinking Cam Newton played as well as Josh Allen, which was, you know, that's maybe the only week all season you could have said that. And the psychological thing between these two teams can't be understated. The The Patriots' record against the Bills in the 2010s was the single most dominant record any team has ever had over another team ever. <laughs> and those the Bills in that decade weren't that bad. It just sort of doesn't make sense that the Jets and the Dolphins did much better, actually, against the Patriots. Uh, but they did, and uh, it meant a lot to them last time. I'm, I'm sure it would mean a lot now to go in there. There's no reason why... The way the Bills are playing right now, that they shouldn't um, really take care of business, and that they shouldn't want that two seed. Now they're they're in contention. They'll know when they play this game that the Chiefs have already clinched home field. By the way, Dan, you know, assuming the Chiefs win uh, against the Falcons, um, but I think the two seed should matter for them. I think they're going to want to get it, uh, get as many home games in Buffalo uh, as they can.
2: Same, so, you know, same thing that I was saying over in the NFC. It's different this year, obviously. If and that's a bummer for the Bills. Um and the Saints, but in the past, you would get that second seed. You'd also have a bye, and then you'd come out of that bye with a home game, and then who knows, if the number one seed gets knocked off, maybe you're hosting a, a title game in your building. Uh, you could still do that, though. That last part is still in play, so getting that second seed uh, still entitles you to the home game and then potentially still can host the conference title game if you advance that far. So big deal on that. Just kick the Patriots' ass. They, they're ready to go home. And one note uh, uh, connected to the fans up there, and that's a great fan base in Western New York that had a great run in the 90s that was also bittersweet because of the Super Bowl failures and then just an endless run of suffering uh, really from 96 until Sean McDermott came around uh, that is now finally they've turned the corner. But New York Governor Andrew Cuomo... Uh, said this week that the Department of Health is working on a plan that would allow the would allow people to attend the Buffalo Bills playoff game, rapid test them prior to going to the game and then contact trace after the game. The move is meant to be a prototype for how such events can be held. Of course there is a, a vaccine in fact two vaccines that have entered the public domain in limited fashion but not it's not going to be in time. Uh, to vaccinate large swaths of the population and, and get people in buildings for the playoffs. Here is a way for the Bills, because I think that's one thing, and it's happening in Cleveland too, where these fan bases that have been waiting and waiting and waiting for these playoff games, and now they finally come, and you, what, either have no one in the building or 10,000 fans or whatever. If there's any way to make it happen in a safe way, I'm for it.
1: I'm with you. I can't think of a fan base. Well, you mentioned them, but the Bills fan base is one of these... Groups that win or lose, they were there. there. There's no fair weather aspect to that. And how about this Brandon Bean, GM Executive of the Year in my book? Starts with the Stefan Diggs thing, but that team has become a power
3: very quickly. Um, and it's not just Sean McDermott.
2: Greg calls him Brandon Bean counter, so maybe that will work against this. <laughs> it's
3: mostly community. Sean McDermott, though. As much as I, you give credit to Bean, I do think McDermott has as much power as any coach in the league. And I think he's a good model. You know, there's a lot of people that think the coach should be the the guy who hires the GM, which is what happened here. McDermott, you know, basically hired Bean a year later. Uh, it's but kind you of really the, do
1: think he's a Bean counter? I mean, no, that's, you know, no, he's
3: slightly unnecessary. He's executing. It's like John Schneider. It's very similar to John Schneider. in King. Cam- Didn't Greg or,
2: Barry a GM pick uh, that you had yesterday as well? I don't know what's going on with Greg. Somebody else was a bean counter. Oh, it was the, uh, uh De Potesta. <laughs> that was just, yeah. <laughs> well, that was just trying to have some fun. <laughs> All right. Let's move to the, uh, wait, were you finishing a point there, Greg? No, Sorry. no. All right. Great. Better. Great. Uh, yes, this is, uh, we're a long way away from, uh, Doug Whaley. Put it that way. And who was the old man that was there before or maybe after Whaley? Buddy Nick's and Buddy uh, Nix. Chan Gailey were together. It's like, oh, we we have found the key uh, to re- jump starting this franchise. We're going to go get that wide receiver, Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins. I don't know. I can't remember his name either. Let's just move on. All right, let's Our get tons. to the let's get to the draft. Um, oh boy, I'm not ready for this. And it turns out, Mark, you have the first overall pick. Uh, now, when we go through the games of the schedule, that we we kind of dole out and figure out who's going to watch what come sunday so you're up first you have 10 games to choose from let it rip
1: okay i'm gonna go with this rams at seattle 425 eastern spot
2: okay okay i mean
1: it's a fascinating game to me because what you're upset that i've taken this greg
3: yeah, that's that's well, the game I, I wanted think it's, badly.
1: It's the Rams season on the line and a lot
2: of tension on the show today.
1: You know, we we um you never expected the Rams to be in this situation to have to bounce back from losing to the Jets. In December, when, you know, a week or two ago we're talking about them as this totally balanced operation that um has a chance to win playoff games. I still think they do. I mean, someone was gonna lose to New York. I just I felt that way and it's and it's um humiliating. I mean, Sean McVay basically Said it entirely, but if you are the Rams, you, we have got to start to see some consistency out of Jared Goff, and th- this would be a good spot for that to happen—a team that um, you know they know well that they can match up well against. Uh, th- I just—I I think to me this is all about Jared Goff, and show me who you are over the next two weeks and beyond, because it seems to me every third game you get Jared Goff totally disrupted, and he's—you know—it's—he's not a game manager; he's turning the ball over. You can't do that. You can't call him a game manager, even at his
2: at his mm. lowest. So, um, do we put that loss again? I know he didn't play out of his mind, but do we put the loss to the Jets on Jared Goff? That felt like a, a team wide meltdown, including on that defense. Which I'm we,
1: putting, I am putting it on on him to to some large degree because. All right.
2: I mean, because he it, wasn't on the it, field when Frank Gore ran for eight yards uh, on that first carry to close out the game, and then caught the pass. Also, it's like you gotta you gotta step up defense and make that play, get the ball back there. It's not I, but, just on
1: Jared Goff, obviously, but I mean the Dolphins game. I can point to a couple of their losses. That Dolphins game like,
3: haunts you, like it haunts um, my it daughter changed, Alice. It changed my impression of them,
1: fan. and and they're not a different team. They, they're the team that every third week has that loss. Well, I, how do you go from whipping the Patriots the way you did to falling to the New York Jets? What well, something is going on? You're not a consistent team. Well, it's to not your,
2: the Patriots that it used to be. I mean, that, right?
1: No, but the Patriots right. were coming off a week where they. 145 to nothing over the Chargers. So they're a weird team, no doubt.
3: They I, to your point, Mark, I've never been more worried about Jared Goff um in his future and just like where he is than I am right now. Um because I think that Patriots game is is maybe the perfect example why because they didn't really trust him in that game and they were coaching around him even with a lead, like, cause he didn't look right early in that game either. By the way, I thought he might've played worse against the Patriots than he did against the jets. And so when you're starting to coach around your guy in a game that you're winning a little comfortably, and I, I am concerned, I don't think it's all about golf though, because I think about this first matchup between these two teams. I think about the fact that McVay's five and two against Carol to me, that's significant. Um, you know, considering where these two teams have been at relatively even over the last three years, that one teams won five out of seven, that's significant. And I think about that game, golf didn't play that great in that game either. And their defense just shut down the Seahawks and are the Seahawks and their offense good enough right now to put up a lot of points. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I'm picking the Rams in this game. Wouldn't surprise me at all. If this is a defensive battle, that McVay is a little bit better in situational football and the Rams can go out there and win a relatively defensive game.
2: Yeah. I don't think we're on different pages on this podcast with Jared Goff. I'm very much also in the camp that Jared Goff is Jared Goff. I mean, he's never, he's not going to be this like superstar guy. There's going to be peaks and valleys and maybe down the line, the Rams are going to decide we need to do something about this. But for in the here and now he's their guy and he's he's gonna be uh throw in the stinker every once in a while. And, you know, we we talk about it, and Troy Aikman says it a lot. The NFL is a week-to-week league. And I almost put nothing no, nothing into that Jets loss when I look ahead to this game, because I think the Rams are gonna be hyper competitive in this game. They've already beaten the Seahawks once. And then I look at like what the Seahawks have done this season. Um and they've been an up and down team. Their defense has gotten much better. There's no doubt about that, how much this defense has improved in in Seattle over the last, let's say, five or six weeks. It went from being a historically awful group to now they're winning games occasionally because of their defense, and every week their defense is giving uh, them a chance to win. I'm a little curious about what's going to happen with this offense. So is the let Russ Cook era, is it already over? Like, was (laughs) that? Because that was a lot of fun. Like, don't get me wrong. I get why the Seahawks are now maybe going back to their roots a little bit and they're, you know, playing better on that defensive side of the ball and they're running the ball. And Russell Wilson is doing his thing on occasion. That's not as fun though, as what was going on earlier this year where they were just involved with shootouts and it was just all these wild games. Um, I want to see the Seattle offense getting back to where it was earlier this season. Um, And I think they're going to need to be better than they've been the last couple of weeks to handle the Rams, even a Rams team coming off that awful loss. I mean, some
1: of the issues I think for Seattle, because they're 16th in passing since week nine uh, was offensive line related to some degree. I mean, they had some problems there. They, you know, the giants um, put it on Russell Wilson in a way we hadn't seen. And, and they just haven't really been the same since that game. Both of these teams seem vulnerable to me because if you get in golf's face, this team's done. And so it does come down to your quarterback. I mean, this is the first overall pick and, no one has trust that he can take him to the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, I don't. He, he's not. He, I mean, yeah, we're talking in circles on this because we all agree with that. I think everybody I, sees that.
3: I think any one of the top five. Well, then NFC, you have got a big problem. Yeah, I I agree. Unless he he turns. I think this has been his most disappointing season. I really do more than last year. Um, hmm. but I think uh, I think any one of the top five teams in the NFC could make the Super Bowl, and I definitely put the Rams into that. I don't think there's a huge. Huge grab. This is a great example of how teams change. Dan, you put it very well with the Seahawks. Like teams in December are very often not the teams we saw uh, in September. It's a big game. If the Seahawks win, they win the division. If the Rams
2: win, then they control their fate and can go win the division in Week 17. And Cam Akers, who had 171 yards against the Patriots, then has a high ankle sprain against the Jets. He's not playing in this game. He's at least missing Week 16, so that that hurts their offense. Um, as well and finally just a little bit of housekeeping here so with a win uh, here the Seahawks would clinch the NFC West if the Rams win each of their last two games they clinch the NFC West the Rams clinch a playoff berth this week if they win and then uh, the Bears lose or the Cardinals win so a lot on the line in that game all right up next to the draft Greg I really wanted that Rams game. Feels like that's the biggest game
3: left, maybe. You're gonna the-
2: watch it. Don't worry. And you get to talk we can, about it on Sunday. You know, there's, there's a bunch of games.
3: There's a bunch of games. I'm just saying we they can might top trade. That might be, that be the biggest happen. game left um on this regular season schedule, just because it's kind of decides just, a division. Just move on,
2: I, Greg. You you can get past it. I, I know you can.
3: I'm well, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna take my Tony Romo game. Uh it's Steelers Colts. So nothing wrong with that. Um, you get other wrong. than having to watch the Pittsburgh offense
2: for three and a half hours. I don't mind. You know, it. I find it.
3: I oh, you find love them, it actually.
2: You love it. You I, love Big Ben going down in flames more am, than anyone in this country.
3: That's so not true. I was. I was. I swear, if you went and listened to this podcast, I was the biggest supporter of how good this guy was but you're right if a if a team like the Steelers is gonna go down I want them to go down hard I want to go down in <laughs> flames in shame in infamy being an 11 and 0 team that loses oh, yeah. six straight and then they're <laughs> like wait do we even bring back Big Ben that would be kind of fun and I've enjoyed watching this Colts team who I picked to win the Super Bowl hey it's still on the line here they're 10 and 4 not bad how about that matchup you got the Forrest Buckner's back uh Autry played well last week Kamiko um, who had been out for a lot of this year so there's three guys who all missed a bunch of time who are all good pass rushers against the Steelers O-line which I think is at the center of their struggles because a Ben in that running game behind a bad O-line has no chance and so this is a tough matchup for them I really believe it they lack total balance their line has been
1: uh injury prone and a mess and I mean, the Colts, though, who we like. you talk about teams changing and we pointed to their defense, you know, all season long as the stronghold that they, they have been torched a couple times in the past month. And, uh, you know, I do, Greg, I think you mentioned DeForest Buckner uh, coming back and playing last week and he won defensive player of the week. And it was probably one of the most courageous defensive performances you'll get all season because essentially no one thought he'd play and he came in and completely had a huge impact. Um, The Colts, to me, they are imperfect, but you're getting the better version of the offense and Aaron Rodgers, and they are running the ball, which which Pittsburgh is not doing. Um, I'm with you. The crash and burn nature of the Steelers (laughs) is fascinating, Um, and I don't say that as... that makes sense, too. No, I don't say that as a Brown supporter, but it's just so interesting where we were three weeks ago. Be honest
2: with the audience and us, Mark. You like it. It's okay.
1: I, I honestly, like... If you think I'm sitting around like like rooting against the Steelers, like the Cleveland has to take care of their own business, but (laughs) to watch what's happened over the last three weeks,
2: wait, but of um, course you're rooting against the Steelers. You could win the division as a Cleveland Browns fan. You need them to lose this game,
1: right? I'm not, but I guess that's not really where I'm coming from. Is like just sitting around like excited that they stink right now. It's just it's incredible where they were a month ago And, and to this point, and it's like you almost want to draw them in the playoffs. It's mm-hmm. it's not something you'd say about a team that's, uh, you know, days away from maybe having their 12th win.
2: Well, let's, let's see what happens here. Because I, I agree with you totally on that. If you take what you've seen from the Steelers really since that stupid Ravens COVID game on the Wednesday or Thursday or wherever the hell it was, um, they have just not been the same team. And it becomes now a question, two questions to me when I look at the Steelers. A, how much is Big Ben um, – responsible for the offense's complete collapse here Um, whether it's because of their game plan which was exposed and the game plan is the way it is because they don't believe Ben has that ability anymore to go up and down the field beyond the short routes and B how much do you believe in Mike Tomlin to see his team out of this funk Uh, because we've seen it before I mean in all different sports and certainly in the NFL as well a really good team Uh, is cruising along and then they hit a really deep valley and you, and you just write them off essentially. And then all of a sudden, Oh, they have a good week and then they have another good week. And then we see that, Oh, that was just kind of a, uh, you know, the ebbs and flows of a season. Is that what's going to happen? I kind of think that's the more likely scenario hmm. here, rather than Pittsburgh completely imploding and going down in flames and finishing 11 and five or whatever. Like that's what I see is the more likely scenario. But at the same time, that is more just the gut more than anything else because there's nothing we've seen from them. And I'm focused almost entirely on the offense. I know the defense hasn't been quite as good and the injuries have played a role there as well, but it's the offense. I, there's nothing that we've seen to tell us that they're about to snap out of the funk and the Colts are a tough assignment. Well, the
3: Colts are a big play defense. They will give up plays. They remind me a little bit of the Tony Dungy Colts defenses. Uh, and they play a similar style. Like the, t- uh, the closest thing teams play to a Tampa two, which is that they're going to give up yards, but they make big plays. Um, they're plus 12 in turnover margin. That is number one in the NFL. And so they, they tend to force a lot of turnovers. That's like hard to, count on but you're going up against the Steelers offense it makes no big plays so I I like that matchup for the Colts I like them to win
1: yeah I think the Steelers have just become easier for defensive coordinators to prepare for which is not what you want to be in December I mean that Colts defense also allowed and Deshaun Watson is Deshaun Watson but playing with um non-household names to say it nicely at wide receiver They tore right through them. So they're gonna need some big plays because they're not a shutdown
3: defense from October. They're not a shutdown defense, but they always find a way to end up
2: making some like one of their great players makes a great play and then it, it shuts it down. I mean, they they are so fortunate to still be in this division race in the AFC South. I mean, two of the last three weeks, they've needed a miracle fumble at their own goal line against the same <laughs> Houston team. And in both situations, there was a fumble they needed and credit goes to Darius Leonard for the most recent one, but the ball needed to bounce the way they, it, it had to bounce and they had to fall on that fumble. It happened twice and they get two wins directly off it. Uh, that, that says a little something to me as well, that maybe the Colts aren't quite as good as the record indicates, but I don't know. I, you know what? I'm picking the Steelers this week. Uh, it's all, I don't know why I'm probably going to look bad because they're going to big Ben will throw for negative 14 yards, but uh, <laughs> I, I like the Steelers bouncing back here. No, you're so agree? right though,
1: because two weeks from now we could be like, Oh, the Steelers are back, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's, these are just ebbs and
2: flows. Maybe unless it's an Epic collapse. We don't know where we'll find out. All right. Uh, third pick. You guys bang me in the biggest of all spots. There's not a lot of great games this week. Uh, as I said, there's only three games with two teams with winning records, and they're now all off the board. So logically, I have to f- find the one that has the most playoff implications uh, packed in for both teams, and it's Philadelphia at Dallas um, in a game. Greg, you could tell me if it's a um loser go home match for yeah. either team. Both it is. For both, it is. okay. It's a true so,
3: elimination game, I believe. So that,
2: I mean, if if, if I'm going to have to watch two losing football teams, let it be a uh, loser-goes-home match. And I also get to see um, Jalen Hurts, of course, now, who very quickly was announced as a starter for Week 16 by Doug Peterson. And he's coming off a really impressive— Why did
1: he need to announce that? That I don't
2: know. I, like... I think he was probably asked it, and he said, yes, he will be the starter. That would be my guess. I didn't watch the press conference. But uh, uh, he'll be fun to watch. I, I say this <clears throat> more—it's um, not a— negative or a knock on Jalen hurts at all, but it just seems like this is less shocking now than it used to be. Like Jalen hurts, like coming in uh, in his second career start and having 400 total yards and four touchdowns. That would be unheard of from a rookie quarterback uh, even five years ago. But now I feel like we see it. We saw it multiple times this year. Justin Herbert did it as well. And we saw Kyler Murray hit the ground running and Patrick Mahomes, of course, like this stuff happens fairly regularly. now it's hurts turn and that's great for the Eagles and the Cowboys, I will. I get into trouble sometimes. I don't know. I think it's just because I'm a populist at heart, and I like I, <laughs> I like when the Cowboys are good. It seems to be kind of fun to me. Uh, so I I always end up doing things like picking them to make the playoffs or picking them to win on Thanksgiving, and then they always lose. So I refuse to fall down that trap yet again. I'm going to say the the Eagles win this game, but uh, you know the Cowboys looked better last week against San Francisco. I'll give them that.
1: You are a populist. I think that's a it's um that's a good designation. Yes. Um no, and no, there's a lot of good qualities that come with that. I'm not one and I I um can get into weird places for not being one. I will say this. It is in it it's one thing to come in and perform statistically well. Um, and I think quarterbacks are just much better prepared coming out of college than they ever have been. Hertz has been through a, he went through a lot in college too, and he's pretty mentally tough from the uh, people around him that, that know him. Uh, I just thought he brought life to this offense. How many, how, I mean, he was banged up, but Zach Ertz was a non-story all year long or a frustrating story But little guys like Greg Ward and Quez Watkins, who, um, you know, when you've got a good, productive quarterback in there, it brings life to all this. Miles Sanders is playing well. Everything is more, um, you know, hard to plan against with the Eagles now. And you've got a quarterback that can run. It opens up the ground game. And it's just like what could have been. And we've already discussed it. But um, I think it's no small feat what he's pulling off as a rookie. But you're right, Dan, that it's not. It's, you know, in 1988. This would have um, we would have people would have been left
2: uh, paralyzed by the side of the road. (laughs) 2018, I mean, it's it's a fairly new phenomenon here.
3: Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. It it feels like much more. I mean, it's crazy, but the way he's done it has really impressed me because he's a better thrower than than I think he was expected to be this early in his career. That you know he he had a. A touchdown where he had that sprint left and had to set his feet and threw it to Greg Ward. That was a great throw. He had a couple really nice go balls to Alshon Jeffrey, who, by the way, you know, there was all that talk about he didn't get along with Carson Wentz, couldn't get anything done with Carson Wentz. He's back. I, I couldn't help but noticing when Hertz had that rushing touchdown, you could hear Hertz himself screaming as he's going into the end zone in this empty stadium, just being like, ah! And then all the teammates like <laughs> running up to him and going. I don't know. I love that stuff. I think that stuff matters. And he seems to have a lot of that without getting too deep into like the intangibles. He that was the reason why DJ really loved hurts. Um, Daniel Jeremiah, your uh, your nemesis, Dan, uh, going into the draft was the intangible stuff. And, you, you know, I think you can see might,
2: that you might you be see more that. in a in a more defined feud with DJ than me. OK, go. When this. you look at what's happening on Twitter. <laughs> Some of the just mean spirited barbs back and forth. There's no the mean. Two of you.
3: There's no mean. There's no mean. I'll give
2: you a little. I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. Sometimes now, it's and this is one of my favorite little developments. When move the sticks drops a zinger on you that he really is excited about, he will actually call me on the phone, not text me. He'll yeah. call me and say, "Hey, hey, check out what I just posted." Like that's how excited he gets. He's a big he ca- cop. He, he's
3: you. an old school like phone user which I which I respect you know there, there's not enough of those out there
2: uh, you're burying the lead a little bit though he's so excited to zing you that mm. he's got to pick up the you phone. get under
1: his skin I wonder Greg for some reason I wonder what's I don't think there. so
2: I think the the
3: thing we like is that neither of us get a, under each other's skin at all and it's someone that we can actually go full on like we want to and we know neither one uh, is gonna take it personally Hmm. That's
2: all Greg has ever wanted. He's like, I'm so edgy with my personality and my sense of humor that people it's get offended not edgy. all the time. It's not edgy. But, but finally, he, I found someone who could take a joke. He
3: appreciates <laughs> it when you come when you come hard. Uh, you're right. Uh, ah, um. All right, where were we? Okay, there we go. This Cowboys team's a fluke, by the way. Pollard. Plus, plus seven the last two weeks in turnover margin against two... Two uh teams falling apart. That's not sustainable. I love I love the Eagles pass rush to make Andy though on the little one little here. mini Cowboys note that could affect them going
1: forward. Kellen Moore is being whispered about um to take over Boise State's head coaching role. That would take away ah. RC.
2: All right. And Tony Pollard, we'll see Zeke Elliott, uh calf injury as we record this. There's a lot of uh unknowns about that. But regardless of if Zeke Elliott's on the field, Tony Pollard deserves a bigger role in that offense. And you Looks wonder what than Zeke Elliott. You wonder what Zeke? I know right now it's it's Zeke El, it's it's Zeke Elliot um hit season just like it's Carson Wentz hit season. Some guys seem to attract criticism more. Um is is really Zeke Elliott that bad? Cuz everyone seems to be taking getting in line to say how terrible I think he Zeke just ha- Elliott he has is
1: not now. been healthy but he's not been himself and their offensive line has been a mess and I thought Pollard last week brought some energy to that offense. And he's always, no like, he's done that in little little bits. But I think it's the Zeke Elliott contract mm. that attracts a lot of,
3: um, you know. No, I think agitators. he was that bad this season. I think he was that bad this season. There's no argument that he, was a, that he was a top 20 running back, which is, you know. Do just, they have
2: an out? You,
3: you don't expect that. He, he'll be on the team next year. I did check this yeah. out. He has tons of guarantee. And I wouldn't yep. give up on him because of one bad year. But it, he came in, and it wasn't right. And it
2: came out, and it wasn't right. There you go. All right. by the way circling back to uh ben roethlisberger a second his pff grade this past week was 25.1 <laughs> points the lowest by any starting quarterback this season and it's the lowest grade in a single game since pff began assigning player grades in 2006 wow his pff, gra-
3: his PFF grade was
2: retire and there was, <laughs> and there was also, <laughs> and I usually I don't care about this stuff, but I also I think we could all relate to it because everyone plays fantasy, um, except for you, Greg. Of course, you've graduated. That's some way. It's not true. Um, Field Yates of ESPN posted a screen grab of somebody's. We're in this. This last week was the semifinals for fantasy leagues across the country and world, and he screenshotted a match or a game that had. A guy that had Eric Ebron and Juju, and a point and a half lead going into Monday night, and Ebron gets injured, no catches, he's out. Juju does nothing, loses a fun bowl for negative points. The guy had the lead and two players going on Monday night and lost a semifinal matchup. Now that could, is, I, I would just if there's bench a worst it. beat in the history of fantasy football, I don't know if there if there's ever happened. Could you couldn't you just bench those players yes. and, and? You could have. But I'll ask Greg this as the fantasy expert uh, built a World brick by brick. Do you leave those guys in to account for potential scoring changes to protect yourself? Because that could happen. Your defense gets a sack taken away, blah, blah, blah. Mm. A fun, a fun, an Wouldn't you know by Monday fumble. morning, though? It's, I mean, I've seen it happen. What do you do? Do you leave them in or do you take them out, Greg? What's the lesson to learn here? Oh, holy one.
3: I don't know. I would leave him in. You got two of them. Does, I got mean, two. I get, I don't know. I don't know about the scoring change thing, though. It does. It seems crazy. I mean, you're not expecting to, you know,
1: keep players on an offense to produce negative points over the course of an entire game. This person, Plus, so you, might not, have the flexibility. you might not have the flexibility
3: because you got to play someone. And I don't know. And it might be too late to lock out the I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good.
2: All right. Let's move on. It's snakes to me. And yes, I need to have. Eyes on this game. The Jacksonville Jaguars, after getting blown out by the Ravens in week 15, coupled with the New York Jets and probably defeating the Los Angeles Rams, um, are now in the driver's seat for the first overall pick in the draft. And uh, but it doesn't mean that's the way it's gonna stay. There's a 75% probability, I believe the number is. It's 75 give or take a point or two that the Jacksonville Jaguars now pick first. In the draft, <clears throat> obviously, as a Jets fan, I want that first overall pick. Uh, whether <clears throat> you know Trevor Lawrence is there or just the leverage that comes with pick one, so this is to me the big chance. This is the big hope with a, a trip to Indy in week 17 for Jacksonville. Um, I got to get this win right here against the Bears. The problem is the Bears, boys. Are playing a lot better the last two weeks. They beat the Texans thirty six to seven. They beat the Vikings thirty three to twenty seven in an elimination game for both teams. So the seven and seven Bears are playing better, especially on offense. Uh, do we expect it to continue to against uh, against arguably the the league's worst defense? I mean, I would think you do.
3: Hmm. I would too. No, Mitch, you know, has played well. And I think the commonality between him and Montgomery playing well over the last month is the opponents. Montgomery's played uh, the list of the worst rush defenses in the league. He's running really well. They're making it work. And Trubisky's barely been touched during this little stretch. And you would expect the same to continue against this Jaguars team who can't stop the run, who can't really rush the passer and where... They're not even announcing who's the starter. They're splitting reps between Minshew and Mike Glennon. Doug Marone said on Wednesday. That's I mean, what funny. is what is that accomplishing? Splitting reps that that seems actively trying to like to mess up both of them.
1: Well, and Marone said, um, well, there's a competition here. I mean, it's this is um, unnecessary when? subterfuge. Since when they've
3: been on the same team the ho- since August? You're still I, it's, deciding?
1: It's totally unnecessary. I mean. I would just say you follow the script that Baltimore did last week and others have against Jacksonville. Um, Jacksonville trailed in yardage 221 yards to 61 at halftime against Baltimore. Uh, Chicago's offensive line, which was a hot mess a month ago, has been playing really well. I thought they battered Minnesota's defensive line last week. That's part of the picture with David Montgomery. Um, Our friend Cynthia Friedland has the Bears with a 33.3% chance to make the playoffs based on her... um, her computer, and uh, her computer studies, and so they have something to play. I think that's the biggest issue here for for you, Dan, that had had Chicago's script gone the way that we thought it would, where at this point you're talking about new coach, new quarterback, new everything. Um, Instead, they have incredible life, and they're this, you're right, they're this team that could wind up playing the Saints in the playoffs. We're not rooting for that necessarily, but... Jacksonville's got nothing to play for. Yeah,
2: it is. How stunning that things have somehow broken against the Jets in every way possible here. Because, like uh, Greg said earlier, Week 17 doesn't look like it's going to work out either with the Colts needing that win. But you know, my only hope and call it blind faith is that it's. St- I mean, it's still Mitch Trubisky, and I. You know, and even and even though he's played a lot better these last two weeks, he's also had a boneheaded mistake or two in each game. Yep. Uh, and Jacksonville, you know, last week notwithstanding, which was a bloodbath against the Ravens team that is as hot as anybody in football, um, they have been playing teams tight. And I just hope it is Gardner Minshew. If it's not Gardner Minshew, I think it tells me if there's really two doors there. If it's not Minshew, if it's Mike Lennon, because obviously we know Mike Lennon is not good. I don't think Gardner Minshew is good either, but he's. I think he gives them a better chance. Uh, Doug Maroney, either really doesn't like. Gardner Minshew and doesn't like his game. Maybe he doesn't like his personality. Maybe there's something behind the scenes there, or this is coming from higher up and this is just um, Marone going through the motions. And then he's going to start Glennon because the owner told him to. Uh, I think Shad Khan could have his fingers all over this. Now that's the only thing I think, and that would be, I think the more likely scenario here. And if that's what's happening, uh, is that something the league is okay with? I guess so. I guess ultimately it's Shad Khan's team. So if he 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 could be the head coach if he wanted to. For well, I you guess.
1: could you could argue. I mean, you could try to argue that either quarterback would be better than the other. It's not like you're sitting Fran Tarkenton here or something. Um, with Minshew not right. starting potentially. I if you're Shad Khan. Part of me is like, look it, you're running a business, and you've had a, a faceless organization outside of their little Saxonville playoff surge a couple of years ago. Um, if you're thinking that you are 120 minutes away from drafting Trevor Lawrence, I would start like I would I would start a defensive tackle at quarterback. I don't care. Stop messing around here. But the problem is, Marone says I don't know if I believe a word of it. That no one's you know got to him with these orders. Um, I, I I I just don't know what's really being said behind. Close also, dorms. Marone,
2: maybe, listen, we can't speculate too much here, but maybe Marone still thinks he has a chance to keep this job. So if, if he is getting a little pressure from upstairs, he's more likely to go along with Be it. Be part
1: of the plan. Well, yeah, he-
2: as opposed to going against it and being a uh if it came to that, probably even get fired before this game. So there's a lot cooking behind the scenes here. I do think just, if I can get, as a Jetsman, if I can get Mean On the field, at least he has a little bit of juice and maybe he could spark the team and and the fans get excited there and maybe something happens. I don't like the idea of Mike Lennon Mm. saving the Jets' ass here. I just don't. Well,
3: here's your problem,
2: though. Oh, I got uh, problems, Rosenthal. I I got a lot of problems.
3: I, (laughs) I think the Jets are more likely to win a game the way they're, you know that they could spring up and win another game, whether it was against the Browns, yeah, we'll not to. as likely, but against the Patriots, certainly possible. And you always hear coaches don't tank. And right. I I direct you to 2014 halftime Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning by 13 points or 17 points against the Saints. And Lovey Smith coaching his last game for the Bucks. I don't know why he was helping them out benched all of his best players and they say that tanking doesn't happen in the nfl well he took out mike evans he took out all his best players and the saints backups i believe they were also resting came back and won that game and delivered them Jameis winston now that ended up not being the smartest move (laughs) either (laughs) but that is tanking it happened and it happened like marone with a coach going out the door anyway so it can happen
2: and it happened because Lovey Smith was behind it, who now just got his ass fired by the Uni- University of Illinois. So whatever. Don't do that. Let's don't, go. Let's, yeah, let's keep some integrity do that. in our that league. Was,
3: that was shameful, and I, I feel like it's a forgotten moment uh in recent NFL. All right, let's keep moving. we got to pick up the pace here. Yes. Greg, you're up. Yeah, let's crank through these last ones and get on our way. Um What, do I need a late game? But I, I really want to watch... Uh, The Rams game. So my strategy here is take the worst late game. I'm going Broncos Chargers, um, which are two bad teams that I've enjoyed watching all year. So this is a good bad game where one of them is very likely to just blow it at the end in some painful way. That's how the first game went. Uh, The Broncos won that game. I just want to give a shout out to Austin Eckler, who has been playing at about 60 percent. He's like my height and is a you know, little taller than me and is the strongest human, I think, uh, in the NFL because he's so banged up, and they're still giving him 25 touches a week, and he's still getting it done for your fantasy team, like an by ant. the way. You know how he's, they
2: say ants can carry, like, 7 million times their weight? That's Austin Eckler. He's, he's Ant-Man, just, great he's nickname. A, he's Let's a baller because you see him in the open field, and he's nowhere
3: near what he should be, and he's still just, like, carrying uh, the ball amazingly
2: for this team. So... What a player, Austin. He also, when he was on our show last summer in his little uh, office in his home or condo, had in neon lights um, his logo behind him, which, you know, right. just seemed like a nice move, nice little flex there.
3: Like that.
1: Like he he understands the concept of branding. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they've been an interesting offense since he come back. I just watching watching Herbert throw against the Raiders, um, and it's, it's the intermediate and deep throws and just... the the connection and how potent they were. I don't see how you keep it going against the Broncos. You know, John Elway came out and supported drew lock this week said that when, we he, go. when when he's down though it's because the whole offense is sort of down together um but this to me feels like you know i know we want to rush through these but <laughs> this feels like a good carson wentz landing spot to me bring in if they don't get serious about bringing in competition um or trading for someone or or bringing someone else in um i can't take this team seriously i think they're they're at the edge of losing chunks of the fan base if they don't have a clear-eyed view of what's happening nah, here. It's A quarterback. good fan
2: base. Like Cleveland didn't lose fans. I don't think Denver's going to lose fans either. Oh, I'm, that's like I'm, one of the good th- ones.
1: It's a great fan base, but I think that they're they're not um, they're not milk toast. They're John very Elway agitated.
2: John Elway might lose them. I don't think Probably the has Broncos them. organization. I don't. It doesn't matter. But I like I like your take there. Carson Wentz wearing a Broncos uniform. I could I can envision that. I certainly can. All right, let's move forward, uh, Mark. All right, I'm going to go Cleveland Jets.
1: Okay. I mean, that's just, you know, I'm not going to let that sit out there for the for another 34 weeks. Um, I would say as a Browns fan, and, you know, this is just deep psychology, it was extremely, um, there was incredible relief watching uh, the Rams fall to the Jets because I was always, I don't like the idea of having to play an 0-13 or 0-14 team. Um, that sounds like a nightmare to me. Uh, I thought the Jets, like, kind of showed you, to Greg's point, that, they're not just going to take a total nap here. Um, this is now Quentin Williams is not, he is out for the season, had a concussion, he had a neck injury. He's on IR. I think that's a big loss for New York. And this is just, it's it's, it's huge loss. because I think he could have had an impact in this game. We haven't seen too many people put heat on Baker Mayfield of late. I mean, his numbers are off the charts. Um, he's playing real comfortable and I don't think the jets are the team to do it. But if you're Cleveland, it kind of reminds me of the giants game a little bit. These are games you need to win. Um, it starts with your ground game. It starts with your offensive line. Let's not get too tricky here. Their defense does just enough. um but the one thing I saw in that game, though, and Chris Collinsworth pointed it out in the Giants game, Miles Garrett is not himself right now. Now that may be fine this week, but in general, um he's talked openly about, and this is you don't hear a lot of these stories the corona absolutely has impacted his ability to breathe to deep breathe, um, when playing. And he looked totally gassed during parts of that giants game. So that's a factor. He's their He's their shining hope on defense. Um, in this game, you just got to do enough
2: to get out of town. They will. I think, yeah, that the, the Browns are way better than both the giants and jets, but they've definitely caught some breaks here with the injury situations for both teams. And I think Quinn and Williams, you know, he was going punch for punch with Aaron Donald last week. And, um, It's unfortunate. I hated hearing that neck injury. Anytime you hear neck injury, I hope that's nothing that could be serious uh, because careers end over neck injuries. And that's the last thing the Jets need. Um, I don't expect anything uh, like what we saw last week. This seems well set up for the Browns to romp a team that's playing really well, is taking care of business all year uh, against a Jet team that got their win and now just lost their best player. Uh, This feels like a romp to me, and that's not being a pessimistic Jets fan, it just to me makes more sense. Knowing both teams could be a letdown game for the Jets. I'm with you. They got
3: their win. <laughs> they, you know, they just got, once they keep their opening score streak going, like they they can just
2: cruise, uh, I mean, you want to talk about the rest of head the head coaching, Adam Gase, offensive genius, eight straight games with a score. <laughs> um, so stick that pipe in your smoke, uh, stick that in your pipe <laughs> and smoke it, whatever. Mark, you're up next snake.
1: I'm up again. That's interesting. Okay. Um, I will go, let's see here. I'm going to go cause I, you know, I, I want to keep eyes on Cleveland. I'm going to go with a little bit of a trash bag operation here, Cincinnati, Houston. Um, <laughs> that's, that's and the what's trash not to like about the, the Bengals producing one of the most courageous performances we've seen under the watch of Ryan Finley. Uh, what can they do against Houston? Will they psychologically be able to match up after what happened on Monday night Houston, to me, I, I you, know, it's, you get to watch sucks. Deshaun
2: Watson. Hmm? This game truly sucks.
1: It truly does. And I, I don't need to sell it much more than what it is. I mean, Houston is look forward. Um, they have GM interviews going on, coaching interviews. Uh, figure that stuff out. Let's stop wasting the prime of Deshaun Watson's career. We've seen a few teams do this, and uh, they've got to get out of these woods pretty quickly. And Deshaun Watson this week, um, you know, it wasn't just Dwayne Haskins. He got... A little uh, tisk tisk from the team for showing up to, I think it was his girlfriend's or something um, event that she had with a bunch of Jaguars players with no masks. Like, are we or uh, Texans players? Are we learning anything here? I
3: thought he Apparently was not. he was opening a re- his own
1: restaurant. It was his I own restaurant it. then, but I mean, it's, it's still, it was like yeah. more, more photos of like 18 people with no masks on. I don't, I, you know, it's, it was a
3: weird, it's a weird it's thing Texas. that they're allowing coaches to interview now, by the way, via zoom. So the Texans are starting that as of today, we're taping this on Wednesday. And so if I was the Jets, for instance, might want to think about speeding up the process here.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I also was like, yeah. who, who are the, these interviews names that you've heard attached to the Texans? Like. None of them are making me think, oh, God, I got to get that guy. Right. A Zoom call. Right. Well,
1: but that's a very specially broken scenario where it may be someone that's going to comply with old Jack.
2: All right. So <sighs> old Jack. So, so I maybe there's a strategy there, Mark. Uh, when you pick a terrible game, you don't have to really pay attention to it. And that makes sense to me. But the way it sets up for the old Zeus are very rare. Wait, aren't I
3: back, back up now?
2: What's that? Aren't I up next? No, I'm sorry, sir. You're not.
3: But you've been snaking this whole time, and so has Mark. I'm the middle guy, so
2: you, yeah. you can never go in a row. Unless we uh, no, I am. I'm the third guy, so I do snake.
1: But I was the first guy.
2: Right. Yes. And I oh.
1: just I just completed a snake um, two point <laughs> snake operation there. So this is great podcast goes to Greg.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, it goes. Wait, hang on a second, Mark. Greg, YouTube Dan. viewers just swoon. I'm always
1: in
3: the middle. I'm the only them. one that doesn't snake, so I'm always in the middle.
2: Greg, Dan. Mark Greg, okay, go ahead. I don't know. I don't know where we got lost there, but it's over. Go ahead, Greg. All right, um, I will. Oh, ta- I see. Yep, I did a premature cross off of a line. <laughs> We're all set now. Go ahead. All right, I'll take the... Um, premature line cross. That's all it was. I'll take the uh, Ravens
3: Giants, okay. which I thought would be a, a more uh, compelling game a few weeks ago, but this Giants. Defense, which we've given a lot of credit to over the course of the season, for good reason, has struggled the last two weeks and uh, is 19th in DVOA. So let's probably calm down about calling them a, you know, a shutdown defense. They're kind of they're more of a punch above their weight defense. And if you look at the way that they've lost the last two weeks against the Browns uh, and the Cardinals, it's been against good, diverse running games. They sort of had no answer for And oh, by the way, the Ravens come in as good and diverse a running game as you'll have. Maybe Daniel Jones is is gets healthier for this game. Um, because it would be a big time test for him. Baltimore is just gonna come after you. They did it last week. Even though their cornerbacks are hurt, they're just gonna take the chance, they're gonna come after you. Can you figure it out? That's kind of what Daniel Jones has struggled with. And uh good luck to the Ravens. This Giants team, which had seemed fun. Um, may go into week
2: 17 without even a chance to to win this division. You forget not fun enough
1: it, if you're the Giants.
2: You forget about the – even when they are playing well, the offense was still not doing much. Yep. And now, you know, you're in a situation where you're not going to shut down Lamar Jackson and the Ravens the way they're playing on offense. Right now, the last three games since Lamar came back from the COVID list, uh, 34 points, 47 points, 40 points, all wins, of course. And the Giants in their last five weeks or four weeks coming out of their by 19 points, 17 points, seven points, six points. This all seems trending in a certain direction here. Uh, I I don't know if it's going to be 40 to 14 like uh, Ravens did to the Jaguars, because like you said, you know, the Giants are a proud defense that that have been overachieving the season. So I don't think it gets that bad. But could it be 30 to 14? That's kind of what I see this game, another easy win for the Ravens.
1: I'm with you because, I mean, you know, Jacksonville has played teams close. They haven't been, it hasn't been all blowouts. um, And Baltimore just whipped them. And my takeaway from watching Browns Giants was that where Cleveland had to get really creative in other games to throw defenses off and and they, they liked their trick plays, it was the most vanilla um, week of football on offense that Cleveland's produced because I think they just simply weren't scared of what New York would do on mm. offense at all. So why, if you're Baltimore, not go in and um, do what you do and drop bombs? I mean, they're, they are the one of the most dangerous. The AFC playoff field is insane, but Baltimore feels like, and I feel like I say this about a couple of teams, they could beat anyone. They could beat anyone in the league playing this way, and I wouldn't be surprised. Good thing yeah. that I traded in my Baltimore Ravens Super Bowl pick for the Dolphins.
2: <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. I mean... We're all on the same page that the Ravens are hyper dangerous right now, but they don't control their own destiny. The Dolphins, if they win out, could take their playoff spot. So the Ravens have a chance, and that would be pretty crazy that the Ravens could win their last five games, You know, kill most of the teams, have that great win over the Browns in primetime, and Lamar will be playing mm. like an MVP, and then they're sitting at home. I don't think anybody wants, well, if you're a fan of these other wildcard teams, you're cool with that but if you're a football fan that's just watching and you want the best playoff matchups you want the Ravens in this game but they only can control what they can control and my last thought Joe judge was on good morning football today in fact he came in immediately after the old zeuser uh, when I did my power ranking segment they moved me up I usually do a a 6 thirty two six thirty five am hit which is you know not great it's you know setting the old alarm at 5.40 in the morning, and then you you get in the shower and you get ready. But it got moved up to 6.15 uh, with, with Joe Judge on the schedule. And you know what? That made a big difference. I struggled with that. And then I finished the hit, and then there's, there's Sessler, like – you know, who knows what's going on with Sessler? The man is seriously a vampire. He's in full texting flight already shooting me texts about various league issues uh, before the sun has even risen. So I don't know when Sessler <laughs> went to bed or when he woke up or if he went to bed at all. Maybe fill in the gaps right here, Mark.
1: I, I have a terrible, um, that's a, something I need to work on because I, 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 you know, I'll be active and up or at least just you know, lying in bed and watching my phone like at four in the morning and I'll start texting people and it's like...
2: Oh, I was you, fine with the text. I was up. I was just amazed that you were up. Or well, not. I
1: mean, I have, you know, we have, uh, there's no sleeping in in our house. I don't think any of us <laughs> have that scenario. But our kids don't, um, you know, sort of fall out of bed. They launch mm. out of bed, and they make it very clear that they are awake. I still yeah.
3: turn those notifications off, you know, until 7.30, you know, just in case. You know, just in right. case there's a Sessler or, well, I think or, I or various it, like, other people out there the other day. S- Yeah, sending yeah. at 5.30.
2: I don't want that waking me up. But my uh, point, Joe Judge on Good Morning Football... <laughs> One of the all time this guy gets it quotes <laughs> with all due respect to Christmas, let's forget about Christmas for a while and focus on the Ravens. Joe Judge gets com backslash members. Password, the ball coach guy, he's all about ball. That's it. You Jesus, know. nah, not
3: a big deal. Ball, back burner, back <laughs>
2: that's burner, my church, you know.
1: Backburner burner of the religious figures. Yeah, there's there's no way millions. you could,
3: you know, possibly like do one job as well as you could do and and hold the uh, Christmas also in high esteem, like in no. different
2: sides of your brain. Christmas needs too to be picked up be, like a gorilla press <laughs> lamb and thrown into <laughs> a dumpster, so you can prove to, yourself. Has to be one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, moving on. Now it's my pick, and I apologize for that embarrassing uh, mishap on my end. Um, it, it, it goes to me. And I will take Atlanta at Kansas City listen fun I'm game picking this if I'm picking this late in the draft and I get Patrick um, Patrick Mahome's game give it to me um and we keep waiting for the Chiefs to beat someone 50 to 30 or 50 to 20 or 57 to six um maybe it happens here Atlanta the Falcons are a pretty annoying team to watch even if you're not a Falcons team like the game against Tampa last week. You're, you're playing so well in the first half. Your defense is, speaking of, like, you know, overachieving. You know, you shut down Tom Brady in that offense. It's 17-0 at the half. And then you come out of the half, and Brady goes right down the field on you. It's 17-7. But then Matt Ryan takes the Falcons right down the field. It's 24-7 midway through the third quarter. And then that's it. Atlanta said, we're now going to fold up 10 on both <laughs> sides of the ball. And allow Tom Brady to have his little latest celebration party. And now you, the Falcons, and their fans get to hear a bunch more about Super Bowl 51. If you don't want people like us to remind you, Falcons, of Super Bowl 51 and what happened in that game, stop doing stuff like that. What are you doing? Like, what kind of performance is that? And to complete inability to close out a game. So that's my thoughts about the Falcons uh, and the Chiefs. I think we're at the stage with the Chiefs right now. And I know they lost Clyde Edwards Alaire to a high ankle sprain and a hip, and it's a bad injury. But hopefully, they get him back out of the bye in the playoffs. That's to me the only thing left for the Chiefs because I know they're going to win either both of these games or one of these games and have the first seed and be locked in as much as they can. Just don't get hurt. Don't, Patrick Mahomes, don't twist your knee up. Let's get out of these games healthy and and get into the playoffs at full strength or close to it.
1: I'd say get healthy, too, on the offensive line. I think they've been real banged up there, and maybe you don't notice it as much because, you know, they still are putting up, they put up 400 yards um, in every game except one over their last seven games, and, and you know, yeah, they're not blowing teams out, but, They look, um, in spurts, as explosive as any football team I've ever watched. So, you know, but still, it would be nice to get, you know, their line healthy. I think that's the one thing. If you're gonna get, if you're gonna create mistakes for Patrick Mahomes, like the Dolphins did a couple weeks ago, they seem to get through those mistakes. The Chiefs really well, but um, that's that's your method here, and I don't see the Falcons as a team that's gonna cause a lot of chaos and havoc for Patrick Mahomes.
3: You wouldn't think so. I mean, that as Dan mentioned, the Falcons gave up. Thirty-one points and three hundred and fourteen yards to Brady in one half. I mean, credit to Tom Brady for still being able to do a performance. No like one's that. thrown <laughs> for as
2: many yards as Brady did in one half on Sunday um, all season. So that's forty-three right. year old Tom Brady.
3: So what? What should Tom Brady? What should Patrick Mahomes do? You would think they'd finally get a nice two score win. They would clinch home field, and uh, in a season where almost no teams are going to rest, and you feel like you would need it this year more than ever because it's been a rough year. I, I wonder if Andy Reid's going to rest for two weeks because he's going to rest for week 17 and get a bye. We'll see. We also saw your boy Todd Gurley uh, get benched officially over the last two weeks, and I, I started thinking, watching he's that boy. game, I, I started thinking, is Todd Gurley done? Is there a... Right. It could be. I would, gi- it could I would be. give like a 15% chance his career stops after this year. Like, like is he,
1: anyone going to pitch him as a starter next year? Like I, I think, he'll think he'll get a job
3: that. if he wanted it, but just... I I don't know if he's definitely going to want to play
2: for a million dollars and be a backup or whatever it would be. Right. he's set. I mean, we can't speak for the man and his passions as a professional football player, but he's set up here, should be financially for life. And um, that would, he's not going to get another big contract. And I don't think teams are going to be knocking on, knocking down his door coming off a season. He was not great at the end of the Rams run because of the, Knee and the bone-on-bone bone condition in the knee, and then he's averaging about three and a half carries, three and a half yards a carry this year uh, with the Falcons. He just he's just not the same guy anymore. Yeah, knocking uh, down stuff. his door would be aggressive. Yeah, well that would be, and I hope I hope it wouldn't happen either way. Just knock, or just you know what, call him. Calls agent actually. Just make just, just be completely simple. professional about this. All right, uh, finally snakes to Zeuser. I believe this is the last game. Carolina at Washington. Wow. So we did an entire draft with every single team in the league, plus all those other uh, games on Christmas and Saturday and primetime. And a first place team gets the uh, last pick in the draft. That's where we're at with the Washington football team, (laughs) a team that I guess we admire for their tenacity on defense, but uh, I guess it stops there. Uh, They face the Carolina Panthers who, you know, let's face it, since the end of September, they lose every single week, just about. They find a way Um, we have a issue here at the quarterback position with Washington. And we talked about it on the Christmas special, Dwayne Haskins bozo behavior goes to a a strip club um, without a mask on. It gets his photo taken. It becomes an issue. He's disciplined by the team. He's obviously puts him in a, a COVID close contact designation. Who knows? Maybe he has COVID after that night out. And um, you have Alex Smith. It's like, Smith. by the
1: way, your coach had cancer, uh, you, you know.
2: Well, there's that compromised too. Compromised individual. Alex Smith has a, uh, a leg injury. So there's a lot of indecision about who's even going to be behind center for this game. So Washington's in a tough spot, and it's because their former first-round pick just seems like a knucklehead.
3: Well, he it looks like he's on track to start Dwayne Haskins. He did practice on on Wednesday. But, you know, they don't really have a, a real NFL quarterback uh, on the roster other than him and um alex smith is still hurt alex smith was watching practice uh, is john
2: beck available like where are we at <laughs> what, else? So what I are think other options is. I,
3: this is one of those you know we always say it's a sliding scale for talent it's also like a circumstantial scale for um yes. punishment it, like if they were able to punish Dwayne haskins harder i bet they would um, but I think they realize he gives them a better chance to win than, than um, Johnny bananas off the street. And they're trying to go win a division. The guy from uh, real so, world
2: challenge. <laughs> Johnny bananas? And so he's going to start is this he game. He's going to start this game. I think you, you're right because Ron Rivera does not, I, I don't care. This is sourced by no one. This is just my opinion. Ron Rivera does not like Dwayne Haskins professionally, personally. He wants nothing to do with him on his team. His starting quarterback, but what's he gonna do? He's in a situation where if this was different and you still had uh, Kyle Allen and Alex Smith, you he would actually, absolutely bury Dwayne Haskins and put him so deep in the doghouse mm-hmm. that you might not have ever see Dwayne Haskins again. So I'm sure it grinds Ron Rivera's gears that he has to now put this guy on the field to lead his offense. That's that's a I tough mean, situation. And, if,
1: and if you're the rest of the Washington offense. You know, you probably, if that's the case between he and Ron Rivera, and it certainly seems to be, they know all that. And then they've got their quarterback going out and doing uh, absurd things during the week. I mean, this offense um, may not have a lot of belief in their own quarterback. So, how about, you know, Derek Brown, Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin, this young Panthers, this defense? I, I've been talking them up all year have you got to go win one of these games? I mean, to your point, Dan, I think you say they have a tough time closing, um, and they there have been some weird close games where stuff's happening at the end of the contest that's, you know, variable. But go take care of business here once. Be the berserker that I thought you would be against mm-hmm. a team trying to win the NFC
2: East. Maybe better to keep losing, though. You know, this is a team that's rebuilding. Get a top-five pick. But you're right. I mean, they're going to We keep should mention
3: that they just fired – uh, their general manager, Marty Herney, who had one of the craziest, again, general manager careers where he built up the Jake DeLome Panthers, was fired, came back into the building, and now Matt Rule, I think, will essentially hire uh, his own general manager. This this should, you know, it's not a bad last pick. Um, I think it'll go really quickly. Uh, the Panthers, if nothing else, go on longer drives than any team in the league. The Washington hmm, defense yeah, gives up gives up longer drives than any hmm. team in the league. That's Washington style. They just let you drive on them, and then they stop you in the red zone. So this has like a nice two hours
2: forty seven minute type of vibe to it. And I'm I I'm sorry to all you Christian McCaffrey fantasy owners. He is not practicing. Still, he is according to Matt Rule doubtful for week sixteen. So you you just lost them. It just what a what a tough situation. Bye bye. Um and if you're in the fantasy championship despite Christian McCaffrey missing the entire season, yeah, just be happy that you're so good at fantasy sports because what a sign that is. All right. That's it. Week sixteen preview. Not bad. No Thursday night football mini recap. We're not going to do a Christmas night show, so don't be looking for that. Just give us a break. I mean, (laughs) just let us have a couple days off. We're going to take a couple days off here. Enjoy the holiday season. um, And then Sunday night we'll be back, and we will recap. Yes, 15 games. That that should be fun. That should be fun with the help of Nick Shook. We'll need it, and hopefully Chris Wessling. And before we sign off, Nabil, uh, can you jump in here? Nabil, are you on mic? Are you able? Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's up, buddy? First of all, well, I don't know. i just love to see how you do in post on the production, but so far so good. No technical glitches. Filling in for Ricky, Very uh, you did have you sent a private chat in the middle of the show that I caught, and I, I didn't have a chance to speak on it during that conversation. Uh, this a quote from Nabil. I actually know Whaley personally. That being Doug Whaley, the deposed GM of the uh, Bills way back then. Do you want to elaborate on that for the audience?
3: Uh, I, I text him here and there. He's a, he's a nice guy. Gives good scouting advice. How do you, how do you know him? Like how did that start? Oh, I go to the NFL PA
1: Collegiate Bowl, and he was uh, the head of that. And then now he, he was most recently uh, the head of football operations for the XFL. So,
3: hmm.
2: oh, was he? Yeah, look at hmm. that.
3: Nabil's a a networker. Nabil's Nabil's a mover and a shaker.
2: The head of football operations for the XFL. Where is, all right, since you're our source on the XFL, where is that league at? Because obviously Vince bailed on it again, but there was someone that tried to come in and save it? I think The Rock bought it. (laughs) That's right. I think they're they're gearing
3: up for a 2021 launch or relaunch.
2: Yeah, I think they're coming back next year. All right, so Doug Whaley, yes, it did not work out with Sammy Watkins. He, it was a big roll of the dice. But uh, you obviously are a football lifer, and, and happy holidays to you, Doug, <laughs> if you're listening. And Nabil, thank you again for helping us out today. Happy to join you guys. All right, this is uh, Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, the old boss, Nabil. Some guys just one name, don't need anything else. That's him. He's Nabil. All right, anyway. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. We'll see you on Sunday. Peace.